0: On the Shoulders of Dwarves, a weekly podcast about role-playing games. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of On the Shoulders of the Dwarves, a weekly podcast about role-playing games and the gamers who game them. My name is Ran Aviram.
1: My name is Uri Lifschitz. Hello.
2: My name is Dassie, and I'm a lecturer in English and a role player and Ellen's wife.
0: And she was here last episode. Why is she here again? Because once again Dassi came up with a topic that is super relevant to a thing that happened to us last game and we think is super interesting. So we will be discussing it now. Dying because of the dice. Now there are a lot of ways for characters to get killed in a role-playing game. They are all probably fun, but we shall focus on specifically on when your character dies because the dice said so. Because you rolled that natural one or got, for example, 30 damage and in a system where you can only get like five hit points or etc and just exploded into a thousand pieces. And we would like to separate this episode into three parts. Before the death, at the moment of death, and after the death. And we think there are different things to say about each of these. So let us begin at the very earliest of beginnings. When the campaign begins. <laughs> you are saying let us begin
1: at the earliest stage of the story, before your character dies.
0: <laughs> before it even gets created for the first time. Because one of the main things about setting expectations, what many people call session zero, it's when you sit down with uh, the players and the GM and you all decide what kind of campaign you're going to run and what house rules to use, etc. One of the main things you decide at that moment is, are we allowing them to die? And how are we allowing them to die? I mean, under which circumstances can a character die?
1: Yes, and setting those expectations is amazingly important because it sets the tone both for what kind of game are you playing and what are the stakes. I've played in many games where it was understood by everyone that player characters do not die unless the player initiated that. And on the other hand, I've played in game of my current game. The game that I play in is a game in which we play by the rules, rules as written. And if you would roll a natural one in a combat and someone would take advantage of that and give you more damage than you can withstand, then your character dies. As simple as that. And that that has an amazing influence on the game. Because you know that no matter what, the danger is real. In every single encounter, even if it's a chance encounter with a bunch of orcs just roaming around the countryside looking for rabbits, if you're going to piss them off and one of them gets a lucky shot you might die, and that affects your style of gaming in a very profound way.
0: It really depends on the system as well, because, for example, in d 5, it's not that easy to die. It can happen, especially early on, but it's unlikely because of how many turns you get to roll your death saves, and there are a lot of people around, etc. But let's take, for example, the game that we are running, my wife and I and Ev and Aviv, which is Savage Worlds. Because it has exploding dice, it means that you can theoretically die from a single hit of the lowliest of kobolds. And unless you use some rule to mitigate it, everyone is fair game and everything can happen. And that fight with the orc is really, really dangerous if you allow for it.
1: In many games that I played, we have the understanding that a player death would always come after a very clear warning from the gm that that is a, one of the possible outcomes cuz me and a lot of the players that I game with are very much into high fantasy and high fantasy require that you would have heroic characters who who do daring deeds and have no fear of death etc so the gm would literally tell us okay you have chosen to go to the dragon's den this is an ancient red worm which is well known for its prowess and its strength and this could mean the death of all of you or some of you do you wish to continue and we know that if we say yes then this is a whole different kind of adventure Uh, on the other hand it could be as something small and simple as, okay, you look at the fighter before you, he's obviously very skilled. This could escalate to a deadly match. Or at least that is your opinion of how you perceive the, the eventuality of a battle here. Do you wish to continue? Now, most of the time, us being stupid players would say, yes, duh. There's loot there. Of course we want to potentially kill our character to get some random loot. That is the purpose of the game. However, it does change everything once the GM has that tool which she can simply throw into the game. This is no longer a gaming matter. It is a matter about the gaming.
0: I completely agree. And I usually turn to... Some advice from Dungeon World, whenever something like this happens, Dungeon World and many other Powered by the Apocalypse games have a soft move that is called something like show them the danger or something along those lines. And then there's a hard move called hit them after a fair warning. And that reminds me that we are talking about two different things. There's warn them, this is dangerous. And then if they decide to confront the danger use the danger. As dangerous as it is, whatever it is they decided to go into it, you gave them a fair warning. And I do the same thing in all of my games. Whenever there's a chance of someone maybe stumbling into a situation they don't understand to be dangerous, I either tell it to them straight to the face, this is more dangerous than you realize, or maybe a bit differently, I describe the scene again so it will be clear that maybe maybe I wasn't clear before, that now it will be clear that this and this is dangerous. Or I say, roll this, roll that. And according to the result, I say, well, you realize that this and this and this. And even if they failed, just by me calling them out to roll something, they understand there's something here that is important and maybe they should be more careful than they currently are. One question that I think a lot of people don't think about when deciding, yes, we will allow random death, we will allow the dice to kill our character if that will come to happen, is the question of, what will the player do should the character die? Let's say someone dies at the start of the session. Okay, what will the player do now for two hours? Sit around and stare at everyone? And that's a huge problem, potentially, in games where death is highly probable, let's say. Like, for example, Dungeon Crawl Classics, or the campaign where I'm running the Dusk Barrens, where I will be, I don't want to say complete bastard, but one of the points of the entire campaign is that I'm going to be very much judge and not very much narrator. I will just present the world and the players will kill their characters in the world because it's a dangerous world. And that means it can happen in the first half hour.
1: Yes, but luckily for us, a lot of those systems have built-in mitigations for those scenarios. In Dungeon Crawl Classic, you start the game with a bunch of characters, and when one dies, the the next one takes its place, for example.
0: That's exactly right. And in the Dusk Balance, which is d 5, which doesn't have any mitigation because you are not supposed to die that easily, I have created a sort of your spirit remains around and you can do this and that as a spirit and you can still help your fellow players in some way. So you'll have something fun and interesting to do throughout the rest of the session and then we'll create a new character for next time. But for example, in Savage Worlds, there's no such system. Now, thankfully, we are playing a game where we are pirates. Yar. Yar. And we have a crew. And that means that we always take a few simple extra crew
1: members with us. Dress them in their finest red uh, liveries. and uh...
0: Well, generally, yes. And they haven't died in, in Troves. They've died here and there. But I think maybe like three or four so far in like 12, 13 sessions. But now, when we had a player character die... Aviv, whose character died, could just take one of the other crew members and play them for the rest of the session.
1: I still think that the um, paranoia solution is amazing. that there are six identical clones with your character memories in them, and once your character died, the next one just pop in and you continue play as if nothing happened.
2: But that's a joke scenario. I mean, I, I love paranoia, but the, I'm not in any way invested in my character and paranoia. So, I mean, it, and one of the reasons I'm not invested is precisely because one of them just gets shot in the head and the next one takes his place. If you want to I, create I an emotional campaign, you might not want that sort of thing because it, it looks ridiculous. It looks cartoonish. I, I completely
1: agree. But I was, I was only half joking because... If you would play a Battlestar Galactica campaign, Hmm. playing a Cylon, that is basically the same, but still allow you to have the depth, the emotional depth, and the continuation of the narrative after the character supposedly die.
0: I would claim that they are basically the same only by the fact that when you die, you get a new you, but not by the narrative perspective, because in... Paranoia, your character only exists for you, the player, to explore the world and touch stuff so you can get to explode, basically. And that's fun and and laughable and it's computer game-ish almost. While in Buster Galactica, it's a main plot point that is super relevant and means a lot about what you will do and why and how.
1: I will also mention on the other side of the scale, systems like Fate or Mutants and Masterminds, in which dying is, is beyond unlikely. In fate, basically, you would get stress, you would get more stress, you would potentially get repercussion, and then serious repercussion, and then serious long-term repercussions. And even after all that has happened to your character, the worst possible scenario in a scene is that you get taken out. And taken out could mean... You are so embarrassed you leave the scene. It could mean that you faint. It could mean that you just stare at disbelief at someone. Anything that happens that prevent you from being an active participant for the rest of the scene. And, and death never goes into that equation unless it serves some kind of a narrative purpose.
0: It's the same in Mistborn for similar reasons and because it has a consequence mechanic. And in a system like Genesis, for example, you only die after you get a certain number of critical hits, critical damage, and you are very much aware of how many types of critical hits you receive. And you can try probably to live before that happens or to stop things before that happens. It's sort of under your control, how much close to death you're willing to go, and you can go pretty, pretty far. But we discussed enough, I think, the topic of what happens before the death. Let's go and talk about the moment of death itself, because it's really interesting. And I suggest, Dassi, that you give us a description of what happened in our game. What was the death that initiated this whole episode?
2: Okay, whoo, uh recap. So, um, Aviv's character, which interestingly enough I referred to last episode fortuitously, last episode of One of the Souls of Dwarves, if you remember in half a sentence I said, yeah I do some crazy shit and Aviv's character always saves me. So she was that kind of character, it was a character called Bella. She was this huge green hunk of a lady and absolutely adorable, she was the sort of the heart of the group. And um and everyone was really connected to her because we came to Baltimore and Baltimore was her hometown. So we went to visit her parents, and we came to dinner with her parents. And we were lost at sea, and we really needed some money and some way to pardon our pirate captain. And her parents gave us all that and got us into stuff and loaned uh, Ev's character money so that he can get himself a fancy new dagger. They were the most beloved people in the world, and we were sort of uh, we we were like um family there. And so she was very much the one with the, with the richest backstory and the most lovable character. And there was this dynamic between uh, Telemachus, my character, and the previous character, Bella, where, as I said, Telemachus was some crazy shit, and everybody would turn their eyes on her, and then Bella would jump in, in, in the front and take all the damage because she has amazing toughness and amazing strength. And she's, she's eating this uh, mysterious magical fruit that gives her even more of that. So we had the same dynamic, um, on Sunday. And actually, there was, a, there was a nice moment because Telemachus, my character, is the healer. So usually Bella would take up a few wounds after doing that, and then Telemachus would heal her. And we had this whole, and there was this moment where Ran, as the uh, game master, had to read uh, the book because he was busy planning some stuff, so we had some sort of dead time to talk as our characters. So Aviv as Bella said, you know, thank you so much Telemachus for healing me once again because I healed two of her wounds. And so Telemachus said, no problem, it's the least I can do after you saved my life like a gazillion times. And then Bella said, um, yes, we make a very, very good team. And that was the end of the conversation. And then the next scene, we're fighting the the god of the toads, Groth, the huge poisonous toad that is worshiped by all the Ugaks of a particular tribe. And um, so it um, at, at some moment, of course, Bella jumped in the front, and the, groth the Toad bit her, and then Iran rolled for damage, and it exploded, and it exploded, and it exploded, and it exploded, and it, exploded, and it was 30 damage. And um, Aviv um, used all her bennies up for soak, and she still couldn't soak all of it. And then Iran said, okay, roll Vigor. If you're about to be incapacitated, let's see what happens. And she rolled Vigor, and it was 1-1. One, one. And 1-1, one, one, when you're incapacitated, you have no more bennies left is death and that's what happened and, and immediately Ev jumped in and I jumped in and what can we do can we give a bennies can we do anything but we couldn't and that was the end of, of, of that was the sad heroic death of Bella Bella Bong
0: it was a very important moment in the game it was a few seconds that I remember very well first of all because it took quite a lot of time actually I think it was about 30 seconds even maybe a whole minute of deciding that this is what is going to happen. From the moment that I rolled 30 damage, just so you'll get clear, um, in order to damage someone in Savage Worlds, you need to pass their toughness. Toughness of 8 is really high. And I think Aviv had about 8. And I got a 30. And every 4 above the number that you need to get is another wound. So if you'll calculate, it gets something like a gazillion wounds. And you can only have three. So she was going to at least get out of commission in some way. And there's a table for that. It's called the injury table. And you roll vigor and you'll see if that injury becomes permanent. Like you lose an arm or something cool like that. And I was thinking to myself, wow, yes, this is what we're going to do. Or if it's temporary, maybe you'll just break the arm or something like that. There is the option of failing the vigor roll and dying. But that's unlikely. Unless, like, for example, you roll a 1-1, which is Snake Eyes, which is critical failure. And I'm looking at Aviv and at Evan and Dasi, and I'm thinking to myself, a- am I going to allow this? I'm reading the book again. I'm hearing them discussing it among, amongst themselves and, again, suggesting the bannies, etc. I'm trying to find a solution. But then Aviv says something very important. No, it seems like this is it. We've decided that this is what is going to happen. We all knew what we are getting into. And then I realized, I knew that Aviv was cool with it. Aviv was willing to let Bella die as the next leg of the story, the next step in the story of the game that we are playing. And that's when I decided, yes, she's going to die. I'm I'm not even going to read the book again and maybe find a different solution. I don't care. This is too perfect of a moment. It was an impactful moment. She agreed to receive this moment. And I didn't want to rob it of her and of them, of, of everyone else. In a way, this is why we're playing dice in the first place. We we want to be surprised. This is like the ultimate surprise. But it's still why we played with dice. This is why we decided this can happen. We wanted this moment. And we totally got it. It's the most amount of damage we ever got. And then we got a 1-1. We will dis- be talking about this moment for at least an episode of Foundation of the Dwarves. But probably... <laughs> but probably even further into the future, because no one will forget it, and no one will forget Bella. Dasi said something very important a moment before we started recording this episode. She said, none of us felt resentment toward you, Iran, as the GM. And you said, you remember, that's on us. We agreed to that. That is, not only we agreed to that, everyone agreed that they will there will be a death. And when she died, it wasn't because of me. Run the GM, it wasn't because I I rolled high. It was because of the monster that killed Bella. And they showed it, which is the next point that we want to talk about, making a big deal out of it. Both Dasi and Ev took the moment and rode with it. First of all, Ev destroyed the monster. And I, just to make sure that we don't in any way let this pass, Described how Bella gets destroyed by the monster a moment before that. She was beaten into two. Her face and torso disappeared into the monster. They didn't even get to see her face again after. It was the most horrible thing. So Ev just tore it into pieces. And we went through the whole thing and described it because it was was cathartic. It was sort of what we were waiting for. I always
1: think at at a moment like that, you should always ask yourself... At at that specific moment, was it a good death? And by a good death, I mean, was it significant? Did it have an impact on the game, on the players, on the other player characters, on the non-player characters? And if it was, I think that's the main difference for me, whether to let that death be a part of the game or in some way to try and circumvent it. Cause one of the things which I really hate about many gaming systems is that if a character dies, you automatically move forward. You go to especially in you know D and Pathfinder, etc., where death is is more of a hindrance in high levels than than an actual end. One of the things which really break my flow of the game is if There's a character death, and you don't give it room to expand, to gain significance. If people rush forward, if you have a character's death, don't rush forward. Don't metagame how we can change this. Don't think about how to fix this. Give that moment, if it was a significant moment in your game, give it the room it needs to be. To have that significant, Give it that pregnant silence which gave birth to a moment of colossal peak of your narrative. Like you said, Aran, this is something that you will discuss at length throughout your time as that moment in that awesome game where that happened. And I think the worst thing that can happen is to cheapen that moment by not giving it the room required for it to take significance.
0: I think this should be taken quite literally. I mean, the players and the GM and the people around the table at that moment should give it a few uh, moments, well, that's that's the word, <laughs> a few seconds, a few minutes of letting this happen after the decision is made that this is significant. But Dasi came up with an interesting point before again before the episode. What would happen if her character was climbing and then like for example rolled a 1-1 and she didn't have the Bennies and she fell down and rolled gazillion damage and died. And it was just like a cliff somewhere. It's not it's not something interesting. It's not fighting the god of frogs and then dying because of an amazing damage as an amazing one one. It's not such a good death. It's a death. I would say... I think... I, I think I would go with one of two ways. I would probably say that she dies... Because that's fair. And we decided at the start of the game... That people can die. And if I in this... Even if it's not an important death... I chip in all deaths coming forward. Mm-hmm. She dies. However... I might be able to bring her back... In a different way. Like for example... She dies... But she's not completely gone. And the gods of undeath bring her back or whatever in some way. For this to happen, I need two things. First, I need to discuss this with Dasi and agree. And in a way, we are turning this, not exactly death, into an event that we will have to find a reason for later on. Okay, she becomes undead. That's not interesting by itself. She died from a cliff. That's not interesting by itself. So how can we find something in her story that can turn this event into something more interesting? And that's, that's a lot of work, I think. Although we'll discuss some thoughts about it in a moment.
1: There's an amazing YouTube video, I think it's called The Death of Superman, that talk about the first time that the character of Superman died. And the fact that later on they simply brought that character back to life in the amazing attempt to sell more comic book and how that basically cheapened not only that moment, but every character death in that universe moving forward. Cause death was no longer this big hoo-ha. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes if I could find it. It's, it's an amazing piece about how taking back the decision to kill a character, especially an iconic character is something that, would destroy the credibility of all death moving forward in that universe, in that game, in that narrative.
2: I wonder if it's an issue of skillful GMing. Because... If, say, my character climbed a cliff and she rolled 1-1 and she's out of bennies, I would imagine, and Iran correct me if I'm wrong, that Iran would make an effort to allow the other characters to roll their bennies in order to try to catch me, for example. Just so I don't, my character doesn't end up dying a stupid death. Whereas in the case of Aviva, it was such an epic death and such an epic moment that actually Ryan said, no, you can't roll your bennies to save her because this is the right moment to do that. So I think skillful GMing would probably help avoid most of the moments where characters may die stupidly.
0: That's very true. I would maybe take, I would maybe take it a step further. In Dungeon Call Classics, as we said before, dying is easy. However, in a recent game that I ran, we, we did manage to get like these two or three characters that we really liked. There was this escaped slave that was super duper lucky and became an amazing rogue thanks to luck more than anything else. And we really liked him and then he died because of a stupid thing. And that happens. That's a game about dying from stupid things. But because we liked him so much, I decided, and it was not the first time, it was my rule in that DCC game. This is how I approached non-interesting death and trying to make them interesting, I allowed him to do a bargain with a demon to come back in some way and pay a price. And I did it with several other characters as well. Or maybe it was a different demon. Or maybe it was a spell that went away. Or maybe it was something. It doesn't matter. Because the important thing in DCC is not killing character, is paying the price. Is feeling that you are doing something, and you might now pay a price. It might be death. But, for example, being a wizard in DCC means getting corruption, which slowly turns you into a monster. Why? Because that's fun. Because just failing a roll to cast a spell is not fun. But failing and then getting corruption is awesome. Just dying is not fun. But maybe almost dying, breaking your legs and returning as a half centaur that you can't control the legs of once every um, two weeks or whatever, or every blue moon, of course, you turn into a full centaur and run around and kill everyone, for example. That's cool. Now you have something interesting happening. And it might be even powerful. You might come back more powerful in some way. It doesn't matter. As long as you feel you've paid a price in that campaign, in the way that I ran it, in the way that I established as, yes, this is what death means here, specifically for you guys, not for everyone, of course, in the world, and specifically for characters that we care about.
1: It's interesting that you use the term, this is what death means here, because uh, I've mentioned before, and was it a good death? But when I say good, I think it translates often to heroic or you know glamorous or meaningful in the character arc, etc., and it's not necessarily so. I remember one of the first player characters that I witnessed, and it was 20 years ago. One of the guys rolled a character of, of a thief. And we entered a huge hall. This is literally first session of the campaign. We enter this huge hall. He runs forward. He opens a random pedestal. There's a trap, the trap spring. He dies. This is like gaming time, like four minutes for that character. Off play. And, you know, it, it didn't, we didn't resurrect that character. We didn't, it was a huge, fun, funny story that we all just laughed at. And the guy just rolled another character and we kept playing. And up to this day, 20 years later, I still remember that death as, as an awesome point in the game. Because it both, made it clear for everyone that, yeah, this is a game in which your character dies. Maybe in the stupidest way imaginable because of magical traps that you didn't bother to look for at the very first try of anything for your character. But it was a good moment. It was a fun experience to be had with the rest of the group.
0: This is exactly why I waited for Aviv to say we bought it on ourselves, this is what we... well playing for before I decided on how to adjudicate that moment and decide what will actually happen and is she actually dead, etc. Because it needed to be cool for everyone involved, basically. Mm. Agreed.
2: It really depends on tone, doesn't it? It's interesting, because our our previous campaign, the one before Fifty Fathoms, was a very serious, very dark, very grim campaign uh, by the name of The Enemy Within, which I warmly recommend to everyone. It's amazing. It's a warmer fantasy campaign. And we said, okay, we're tired of grim, dark, heavy, difficult campaigns. Let's do something fun. Let's go, arr, yarr, go and be pirates. And most of the campaign really was like that. But Sunday, when Aviv died, it was really, really serious. It was genuinely distressing. And it's interesting how sort of these moments can either be, as you gave an example, completely jokey. Um, you know, a guy runs off and then opens a pedestal and gets and gets poisoned and he's dead. Um, and then it can be really, really serious and really tragic.
0: So let's continue to the third and last part, after the death. So, for example, in what we were just talking about, this was an impactful death. By the way, there is a rule called Heroes Never Die in Savage Worlds that allow heroes to never die. Instead of dying, you are just washed away by the river and found a week later, etc. All broken up, etc. And it applies to villains as well. And we decided not to use it. We decided that this is a very open campaign, very much, as you said, the opposite of the Enemy Within, which was very structured. This is very open. We will allow characters to die. If that happens, that happens. That's what we said at the beginning. And and that happened. So what happens after the death? It was an impactful moment. It was emotional. How can we build on this and make something out of it so it will last more than that moment?
1: Well, first and most important, I would say, let that moment have repercussions. If something doesn't have repercussion, it doesn't really affect the game. And I mean repercussions from all sides. From the GM side, meaning it affects the world around the characters. And on the player side, to let that death impact the player's character. Now it's time for me to get into my sad story. Two sessions ago, we had a a PC death in our campaign. And I've mentioned it a few episodes ago. It was very dramatic. We were fighting to save the city from a plague and the plague was caused by the goddess of plagues and her high priestess was there and we're fighting with the high priestess and we managed to kill her and then her goddess revived her as an avatar of undeath and plague. And one of the characters which had this ongoing banter with the priestess about the fact that he's going to kill her and he was a city guard and he's here to stand up for the city and for the little guys, etc. And after a few rounds of combat and it's not going well, and suddenly that avatar of the Goddess of Plague just reach out and roll the critical hit and she has this seat weapon which does quadruple or four times as much damage. Like, like you mentioned, one of those crazy scenarios in which there's an unbelievable amount of damage and she just takes off his head. And at that moment, it's totally clear to everyone around the table that that character is dead. Dead. That's it. And it's a problem because we're playing Pathfinder. And that means that technically, if we pulled our resources and pretty much spent every last goal piece we have, plus selling everything we're going to get from this adventure, we might be able to strap by enough to give a cleric the money to raise that character back from the dead. But should we? That was an amazing moment for me as a fellow player, as a fellow player character. That was breathtaking. And I felt like if we go back on this, if and of course i immediately say this isn't my call this this is the the player's call if he and this is a very interesting point cuz we're saying that player if he wants to continue playing this character then that's affect us as player character to make the choice to revive that character cuz otherwise it's just, this is not going to be a fun game for that player it became sort of a mishmash of emotions and and opinions Because we are there, and we're waiting on the decision of a player to decide what our player characters will do, in a sense. And for me, it was very difficult, because we said, okay, so we're going to, obviously, at the end of this battle, we're going to stop the session, and until next session, that player is going to have the time to decide if he wants to continue playing that character or not. And... I feel that because it was such an important moment and because we all let that moment affect our character and respond accordingly, he decided to move on and roll a new character. And we spent the week, uh, you know, WhatsApping each other with what our characters do to grieve that character's death. And the GM is there and he's sending this heartbreaking description of, how it goes when we're visiting that character's family. And suddenly we discover he had kids, which he never mentioned. He always mentioned that he had a family, but he wasn't specific. We learn all that we had to learn about the backstory of that character through the lens of talking with the grieving family members. And that had so much impact up to to a moment where we decided that our party will be named from this moment onward in honor of him. The, the character name was Frank, and we changed the name of the party to Frank's and Fellows. The best thing that we do here is that something momentous happened inside the game, and we made the choice, which is to use that moment to enhance the gaming experience for all of us.
2: That is very cool. Well done. To everyone.
1: On a side note, his previous character was a grim, ex-cop, film-noiric type of guy. And his new character is this adorable 12-year-old, magic-using, don't-know-anything-from-in-any-way, which I simply love. I think it's a win-win-win for everyone.
2: Oh, that's so sweet. So to build on what you guys have said about... um... Letting the death have repercussions. So I was thinking of actually changing my character's story arc because of, of Bella's death. Because for Mike, for Telemakos, sort of Bella was her best friend and they had this dynamic going for them. And the fact that this time she couldn't heal her, that this time she couldn't save Bella at all and she completely failed her could be a kind of, 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 original cause for her to become very very obsessed about how her magic isn't good enough and how her magic failed her and how her elemental magic is falling short and she needs to look for something greater and more magnificent and deeper power and see where that where that goes whereas originally she was the sort of very restrained very self-contained character
0: Dasi actually had a sort of a story arc planned of where she thinks Telemachus would go, what sort of thing she's going to try and achieve, and this changed everything. Well, he didn't have to. Dasi decided this should change everything. And that was, I think, an important and useful decision here. As for me as a GM, because of the style of the game and because they are really nowhere close to meeting her family or, or the same thing that happened with Feuder, they I will need to think forward on loose ends. They are playing a very sandbox type of game where they can go wherever they want and do whatever they they feel like. And I need to think of what sort of emotionally impactful moments I can bring in the future by reflecting on Bella's life. I don't want to get into spoilers because Darcy is here. She's going to play it. But I have several ideas of things that can happen that will suddenly, like in a few sessions in the future, will they will go all, <sighs> because of this death of what happened here. Even though the moment itself, the event itself, is not going to have any actual importance event-wise. It's just a thing that happens, but they will see it as much more meaningful. I need to make sure these things will happen.
1: Well, sounds like you have your work cut out for you, Alan.
0: I think this is it. Dasi, do you have anything else to add about dying because of the dice?
2: Uh, no, I don't think so. It's, it's all about the kind of world and the kind of experience you want um, as a GM and as a player to have.
0: Uri, any last words?
1: <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> I think that the most important thing to say is something that we say a lot in this podcast, and that's a pretty much... Every aspect of how you play a role-playing game is a tool that you, either as a GM or as a player, can use to fine-tune your game to get exactly the right experience which you desire. And that is very, very true when it's come to Death by Dice.
0: So I will reiterate and summarize Think about how you die and why. Think about what sort of rules you will use. Be sure to enforce them when it does happen, unless it's uncool in some way, and then find a useful way to do it anyway. And finally, make sure there's an impact. Make sure you let the moment breathe and make sure that the moment stays in our minds forever, thanks to the repercussions that will affect your characters and your world forever. This is it. Thank you guys, for listening. If you want to listen to more of this, you can go to dwarfcast.net. You can search for us the Dwarf Podcast on Twitter and Facebook, and you can email us at show at dwarfcast.net. You can also go out into the world and smell the hummus. That's basically it. We will see you again next Monday, but it's much more likely that you will hear us instead. We will now say goodbye, each of us in our native tongue. Letra On the shoulder of dwarves is shared under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial 4. The intro and outro are taken from Silly Fun by Kevin McLeod. licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3. Find us at dwarfcast.net and follow us on Twitter or Facebook.